Welcome to the FCCI Pathway to Purpose webinar, and we are honored to have you joining us and thankful for your desire to continue in the journey toward greater kingdom stewardship. I'm Ken Powell, your host for today's webinar. And uh, on each webinar, we encourage you to introduce yourself in the YouTube chat. And I really hope you will do that. And so if you'll uh, go there and let us know who you are, where you're coming in from today, and uh, maybe even share a little bit about your background and, and what it is that God's called you to do, your platform for ministry that God has you engaged in. So uh, we really want to serve you through these webinars and make this a point of connection, an opportunity to really engage with the larger Christian business community. And um, along those lines, let me just uh, remind you that we actually have an app that uh, serves that purpose. It's a, it's a place where you can come together with other Christian business owners and leaders and uh, engage in conversation, be aware of what's going on in the lives of others, what God is doing in the broader kingdom marketplace. So check that out at FCCI.org. And I would be remiss if I did not encourage you once again on this webinar to uh, take a look at the FCCI International Conference and consider that a key time and place where you can gather together with other Christian business owners, hear what God is doing in the kingdom, and together move forward in what God has called you to do. So would you consider coming and being a part of the International Conference? Our webinar guest today will be presenting several days of more in-depth content um, about key leader retention. And so today will whet your appetite a bit for more of what you can receive as an attendee of this year's conference in September. And, uh, you know, our next month's webinar, let me just uh, pull that up here quick. Sean Dunn is going to be joining us in August. Uh, Sean Dunn is with Groundwire, and he'll be presenting at this year's conference as well. You don't want to miss Sean's incredible perspective and insight on reaching the next generation for Christ. Sean will help all of us understand better how we can leverage key moments within our workday in those conversations to help us take strategic help others really take those strategic steps in their faith journey. So don't miss that in August. Sign up for that concluding uh, at, at the conclusion of today's uh, webinar. So. You can always jump on our website, FCCI.org, to learn more information about upcoming local events in your area, um, our conferences, webinars, podcasts, and so much more. Well, before I bring in uh, Russ Clemmer today, our guest, I wanted to mention the fact that he has a tremendous podcast called The Three Wins. And if you haven't started following that podcast, I highly recommend it. Russ interviewed Damon West on the most recent episode, and it's just powerful. It's such an incredible story of redemption. So you don't want to miss that and check that out. Wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, make sure you check out The Three Wins. So Russ, it is such a pleasure to have you presenting on our webinar today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate being here, kid. Uh, it's, it's great. And you know, as, as I mentioned just now, the, the Three Wins podcast, uh, help us have a little bit more insight into the value that you're delivering there. What, what are your podcast conversations all about? Yeah, Ken, so uh, being a financial advisor and not talking about financial advisory related things on the podcast seems a little bit uh, out of place, but that's our preference. We like to talk about things that impact every human being in the realm of leadership, following the Lord, uh, it, but we speak through a lens of what does a business owner need to hear? Uh, and that's who we really try to target and, and point out and, and uh, bring helpful things to the table around their everyday life, their family, uh, their work life, all of the above, so that they're impacted to follow the Lord well in that specific role of chief steward that he has placed them in. Uh, I love it. And we can't get enough of that. <laughs> the more of that I hear, the more encouraged I am, the more inspired. And I know we all need it. So I, I love that. And I appreciate the fact that you guys are doing such a wonderful job with that. So before I turn Thank things you. over to you for the webinar here today, I, I want to, I know you'll share a little bit more about your professional background as you get into the presentation, but I want to acknowledge the fact that you got such a wonderful family. Just, just love your family. And I, Thank you. I love the fact that you guys enjoy doing a little urban farming in the Atlanta area. And uh, I grew up on a hobby farm, so we had all the chickens, the rabbits, and the huge garden that we all had to go and weed. So I know there's a lot of work that goes into it. So tell me, is this is this for the kids' benefit? Is this for your benefit? And who's doing most of the work in your family? Yeah, great, great. Thanks. Yeah, we, uh, we do have a little bit of a hobby farm now. 
depending on who's in charge of the crops that year, meaning a little garden, uh, they do well or they don't do well. And that's part of what we like. We homeschool our kids. So that's part of it. And, you know, being able to say, uh, hey, this is how you grow something. And being able to find out if they have the temperament and personality to grow something, right? That's a big deal, part of it. Uh, and then we bought some chickens. We said, hey, wait, we, the, the price of eggs has gone through the roof. Let's get some chickens. I know a lot of people are doing that. And But you also remember, well, who actually initiates? Well, we ought to check the water. We ought to check the food. <laughs> In addition to having delicious eggs on a daily basis uh, provided for you. Uh, and then... Uh, we got a couple of cats because I don't like chipmunks in the yard and I don't like snakes <laughs> and different things like that. And they, they do an awesome job of tending to some of those things. So we are, uh, we're a, uh, fledgling, uh, hobby farm to say the least, but we do enjoy it. The kids love being outside and you got to give them a little bit of something to be responsible for and to take care of and to learn through. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. And yes, with the cost of eggs, my goodness, who wouldn't want to have a little hobby farm with some chickens these days, right? Thankfully, that's it's, right. Got, it's got a little better, but my gracious. Um, yeah. Well, before I turn things over to, to Russ and let him uh, run with the webinar here, let me just uh, remind you to to do be sure that uh, you submit questions and uh, introduce yourself in the chat. And those questions that come in, we'll, we'll utilize those uh, later in the program, some Q&A and um, look forward to having that opportunity to hear more from Russ as you interact with some of his content here today. So with that, Russ, I'll go ahead and uh, turn things over to you and thank you. Great, thank you, glad to be here. All right, everyone, thank you. Depending on where you're, uh, where you're at right now, good afternoon or good morning. So uh, when I talked to Ken, uh, talking about what would be a great thing to uh, kind of relay and share with the audience, uh, when at Legacy, we really like to talk about the idea of retaining your key people. Um, as an advisory firm, that's a specialty of ours, is talking through that uh, concept of key leaders. And so when we think about key leaders, we want to think about the idea of everybody that is influential within your company, that has responsibilities, that has things that uh, uh, secrets, uh, uh, the secret sauce uh, components of, of knowledge, relationships with, with uh, clients. We wanna think about those people who it would hurt to do without. Doesn't mean everybody else is not important and influential, but we wanna kind of think through in today's discussion, those people who you as a owner of a company rely on as an extension of yourself uh, in your company. So that's really kind of how we want to talk about today. Uh, so uh, again, my name is Russ Klemmer, uh, president of Legacy Advisory Partners here in Atlanta, Georgia, a little town called Alpharetta, just above Atlanta, if you're familiar with it. And uh, we've been in the business of uh, uh, advisory work, uh, key leader retention work for over 25 years. Uh, many of you may know uh, my business partner and father-in-law in the FCSAC CI community, David Harper. Um, we've been doing that for a long time. I've personally been with the firm for 10 years, uh, and I came out of a, uh, an education background. So I was a teacher and a coach. And if you've ever been in that world, you know that you do just about everything. Uh, so yes, I can parallel park, uh, a 35 foot bus. Uh, it's not something that I tell everybody, but that's something that I can do, uh, almost with my eyes closed. Uh, so I got in this business about 10 years ago. And one of the things that drew me to it was the idea of, um, in addition to, to learning and growing some, uh, in a new career, is the idea of focusing on key leaders, growing key leaders. And we'll dig into more than just the reward and retention piece. We'll dig into the person, understanding who that leader is throughout this conversation. Uh, so we work with public companies, private equity, health companies, closely held family-owned businesses, ESOPs, because all of them have key people. They all, every single company has key people that you want to be able to take care of and retain. Uh, so uh, the conversation we're having today is uh, specifically around this idea of lead your company. So Ken, you have um, a great lineup for the FCCI conference. I've been to the last two. Hopefully, um, if you have not made your plans, to come in September, please make your plans to come to, uh, in September. I believe it's in uh, Tucson. I've got my tickets, I've got my room booked. I'm very, very excited to be a part of another conference. But at the conference we're talking about, it's inspired to lead, 
What does it mean to lead well? Uh, today, we're going to talk about that role that you're in of chief steward officer in your company. God owns your business. He's placed you there on the piece of paper that says you own the equity in your business. You get to make the decisions. You have all the risk. You have all of the responsibility. What does that mean for you? So I believe Sunday you're talking about following uh, God, how to do that well, how to lead your family on Monday. Tuesday's theme is lead your company well. And then thir uh, Wednesday is lead for the kingdom. Specifically under the idea of leading your company, we have some thoughts to go through today. So today's presentation is titled The Philosophy of Abundance. What's that got to do with rewarding and retaining your key leaders? It has everything to do with rewarding and retaining your key leaders. If, if someone has the, the philosophy of abundance, I'm going in and I know there's going to be enough to share, enough to go around, then they have the right approach. If they have the idea of there's never enough, then they have the wrong approach. We're going to walk through that. So what does it mean to have the right mindset, the right philosophy as you are approaching your effort to reward and retain your key leaders? Uh, and then we've also got part two and part three uh, at the conference in FCCI. I'll be talking about what types of incentive and retention plans reward and retain plans are available to you and then how do you build one or two that are customized to your company and your leaders no company and no group of leaders are ever the same so you want to make sure you customize those so please come out to the conference and uh, see those all right so a couple of things we're going to talk about today we're going to talk through uh, the phases of a company to set the stage the phases of a company then we're going to talk through the idea of what types of leaders are worth retaining, right? I know that may sound awkward, right? What types of leaders are worth retaining? And then the third piece is this philosophy of abundance. We're going to cap it with that philosophy uh, of abundance. So number one, phases of a company. And I want you guys to do a, uh, everybody listen to do a self-assessment. So if you founded a company, or even if you bought a company and you are proving yourself as an owner operator, there's an early stage. That early stage is marked by the effort of survival, trying to make it through. Proof of concept. Is this actually a good idea? Is there actually a market out there? Am I able to lead and own this company well? Uh, you want to generate a profit and make sure that you have uh, the ability to create sustainable growth. Am I going to be able to do this year after year after year? And then creating an entity that's valuable in and of itself. It's not just good to create cash and create a living. It's also good to be able to create an entity, something that is valuable in and of itself, an asset. So we typically mark this by the owner operator wears most of the hats. That's that early stage. Then we're able to move in to this beyond survival stage. And I have a client that said, Russ, I knew that I was going to be okay. Even if I lost everything one day, I could turn around and start again because I knew I, I knew what to do. I knew how to do it. Even if I made a mistake or there's extinguishing circumstances, I've proven to myself that I can make this work. So revenue is predictable and sustainable, right? That that's in your rear view mirror. You got to maintain it, but revenue is predictable and sustainable. You're beginning to build this clear vision of the future. What does this sustainable business model look like? You have other leaders who share the vision of the company. You're not sitting there having to tell everyone what to do all of the time. And that's that key point number four here. Owners can and should begin delegating. So I've got an example here I wanted to run by you guys. I'm sure... Uh, each of you, I'm a, I'm a business, I own part of Legacy, I'm buying it from my father-in-law. Uh, and you sit there with your owner, uh, owner hat on and you say, all right, I should be looking for ways to make others around me shoulder responsibilities, not just their technical expertise, but their leadership ability. And so I need to think through what am I delegating away? And uh, one example is a, is a client of ours. I'll just call him Tom. 
So we sat down with Tom and we'd gotten a lot of feedback from his leadership team uh, that uh, he was uh, reaching down and micromanaging in a lot of different situations. So specifically, they're a general contractor. They build a lot of uh, uh, they build a lot of um, large uh, educational and office related buildings. So the owner would leave his office, go to the job site, and tell the subcontractors' laborers that they were digging a hole for the foundation of the building, the footer, they were digging it incorrectly. And he would do it over and over and over and over and over again. He would bypass the project manager and the superintendent on the project and go straight past the owner of the subcontracting firm to the laborer in the hole and tell him you need to do this differently. And I use as an example all the time to be able to say that individual had delegated something and then gone and taken it back bypassed all of his leaders that he had delegated responsibility to. And we sat down in a big room with all the people in there. And we said, Hey, you got to quit doing this. And he said, you mean I own this company. I can't go and tell somebody that they're doing something wrong. When I see that they're doing something wrong. And we said, no, you can't. You have to delegate that and leave it delegated. You hold the person responsible, accountable for that, but you have to, to hold, you have to leave it delegated to those individuals. Otherwise, you are taking someone who wants to be a strong leader, who has skills and ability to share the vision for the company, wants to be uh, uh, excellent at their task, and you are disrupting all of that leadership network that you are hoping to establish and to go beyond. So we talk about delegating all the time with business owners because if you do not delegate, you become the bottleneck. We don't like bottlenecks. Bottlenecks get in the way of growth. Bottlenecks get in the way of progress within this. And we always bring it back to the filter. And hopefully each of you are doing this. We always bring it back to the filter of God owns this business. It's not about me as the owner on paper. It's not about my ego of knowing the most within my business. It's not about being an expert. It's not about having control. God owns my business. I'm the chief steward. And if I trust him, he's going to bring me other stewards to help me through this process. So you've, you've gotten the beyond the fate, uh, survival stage. You've gotten people who you can begin delegating to. So let's really talk about the, the preparing for the next generation. So the next generation, you've got people, uh, you've got people who uh, have key roles and responsibilities of delegating. You're beginning to delegate to other key leaders. Uh, you've got a culture and a vision for the company that's clear uh, and able to be communicated and have bought uh, buy-in from other people. You're beginning to put systems and processes together. And you've got leaders and stakeholders who are aligned with that vision. And so often what we have at least in our work, are two different types of people. One that says, I'm fortunate to have leaders who will come alongside me and help build a vision. And we also have people who say, well, I'm going to set the vision, and if they don't like it, they can, they can get out. And sometimes there's a place for that if the vision is clear and the person is at odds with that. Right. You want to be able to filter that out. But a lot of times we encourage owners, we have to help owners see that a vision built by all of the leaders, all of the stewards, not just the chief steward, but the vision built by all of those is one that everybody will buy into and really, really work hard to help accomplish. So let's talk about this idea of leaders worth retaining. All right. So we got the phases of your company. We know that uh, they're either, you're either in the survival mode you're in the, uh, the, the mode where you have uh, attained, right? You've reached a, a certain level. You know you can repeat things. And then you've got the idea of, well, now I've got to start getting out of the way. How do I start delegating and getting the next generation ready? This idea of leaders worth retaining. Here's some, here's some hallmarks. And if you don't have these, I want you to, to make sure you pay attention to these. The company would suffer if one of my leaders le uh, uh, left. Uh, if they pass away, if they become disabled, if they go and see greener pasture somewhere else. What we want to do is make sure there's no greener pasture. We want to make sure that you have a strong vision. We want to make sure 
that you have an atmosphere for them to thrive in. We want to make sure that you have uh, a, a, an ability to lead them well yourself and that they are being able to grow as a leader themselves. And we want you to make sure that they have the opportunity to participate. Here's a key phrase, participate in the success that they are helping you create. So if they left, your vision would suffer. Maybe your, maybe your, uh, your, your projects would suffer, right? The next day you would have a problem with a project. So whatever would cause that suffer point, we want to make sure we identify those people who would cause that uh, suffering in the company or you as the owner if they left. They have to have an ability and desire to collaborate with others. So what we find so often is that they're a key leader because they're an expert in their field, but they're terrible working with them. Well, they, you just have an expert. You don't have a strong leader. That's the difference. We want to make sure we're not fearful of that person leaving just because they're an expert in their field. They're owner-minded, number, number three here. If you've got someone who's a strong leader, then what you're looking for is them to almost be able to ascend into an owner-mindedness. And what that means is the owner, you're, you're thinking about things seven days a week, right? God calls us to rest on Sunday, to take a, a Sabbath, whether that's Sunday or Wednesday, depending on what industry you're in, but to take a Sabbath and to rest. But we all know that that's a lot of hard work not to think about our company, what we're going to do the next day, what needs to be done, what do we need to prepare for three months from now. It's a lot of hard work to shut that off. We want someone who is owner-minded in their love of their work, their appreciation of their work, and how seriously they take their responsibilities in the overall success of the vision. It's a very valuable trait. Number four here, they desire to grow the value and profitability of the company. They want the company to be successful. They don't have hidden agendas to live out their own vision, to live out their own agenda. They want to be able to take the company and make it into the most successful company as they see God leading and directing. And the fourth or the fifth one here is this idea uh, that at least at Legacy, we talk about it this way of bringing a virtuous decision making process to the company. It's a little bit different than a values-based. We, we, we hope every company has a mission, vision, and values. We hope all those things are the same body in the company knows and understands who they are. But we have a little bit of a twist on this idea of virtuous decision-making. So when we get into this idea of virtue, uh, you may have uh, been a part of another one of Ken's, uh, Ken Powell's studies. Uh, I think there's a... a, a nine or 10 part uh, video series on the connect app that talks about the great eight. And so that's a biz, that's a, a, a book that uh, David Harper wrote um, about 12 or 13 years ago around the Beatitudes found in chapter uh, five of the book of Matthew. And so Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he goes through eight Beatitudes and I'm sure you've either read them or some are coming to mind right now. But what David did and what one of the things that attracted me to come to work with David is he took those eight Beatitudes and he said, all right, here, here are eight virtues and their corresponding vice that we need to be able to pay attention to in our relationships. And if everybody is working to promote the virtue and guard against the vice, what kind of teamwork could that be? So we call that collaboration. And what we want to be able to identify is leaders who are not just good at their job, their tasks, right, their skill set, their expertise, their experience, but also people who want to say, hey, this is more than just my particular job. This is leading well together as a team to make this company all that God wishes it to be under the leadership and ownership of the chief steward. That's where we really want to be able to talk through. So let me hit a couple of these. So we talk about courage versus fear. Courage versus fear. If you're making decisions based out of fear, worry, concern, anxiety, that's not the best way to make decisions. If God has been saying, hey, this, you need to go and you need to go and do in this in your business, 
whether it's with a client, whether it's with an employee, whether it's with a new industry, a new market, and you're fearful versus courageous, then that's a that's an area that you need to submit to the Lord and say, we got to do this. Another one's humility. If I'm sitting here talking about talking with uh, people around me and my ego's getting up in the middle of things, then I'm robbing the moment for to be able to show humility. Now, humility doesn't mean you sit there and say, well, I'm just going to let somebody else answer or let somebody else bring the idea to the table. An idea, if God has led you, then bring it to the table. Humility is God's given me all of my skills and abilities to go forward. I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to move forward with courage and humility at the same time. Empathy is another big thing, and that's a that's a real, real, real trendy word in, in teamwork and collaboration and everything else these days. What we what I've discovered around this idea of empathy is that uh, a lot of people fake knowing how you feel. A lot of people get stuck on the sympathy level. Well, I'm sure you feel bad. Empathy is taking it a step further and and working to be in that person's shoes. Some of us are naturally empathetic because we've gone through roughly the same thing as somebody else. If you're a business owner, you know what it's like to, to, to be a business owner. If you're a professional baseball player, you know all the highs, you know all the lows of another professional baseball player. You can be empathetic. If you grew up in the South, like me, I have no idea what it's like to grow up in the Northwest. I cannot relate to what it's like to grow up in the Northwest. I'm, I, can, I can only imagine. I can only listen. So what we want to do is be able to find those moments of empathy and to be able to hear someone's perspective and do our very best to understand what it's like to be there. We want to show humility in the fact that I'm going to express to that other person what it's like to be in my role. That promotes teamwork. That promotes collaboration. So attentiveness versus distraction. Accountability versus greed. If I don't want to be held accountable, that means that I want what I want. I'm, I'm greedy in that it's my agenda. If I'm held accountable, then that means I've agreed to do something and the other person has agreed to hold me accountable to doing and following through on whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. So I'm sure you've been in a, in, in, let me just kind of use this as an example. I'm sure you've been in a team meeting and someone said, all right, I've got that, or I can do this, or yes, I'll try to do this, or I'll get this done by this deadline. The deadline's missed. The person does 50% of the job, and they come back and say, oh, my goodness, I just had all this other stuff going on. So we go back to empathy, the vice of busyness that got in the way. What they really said was, what I want to do is more important than what I said I would do in that meeting. So if you take all of these virtues and you take all the vices and you look and do a self-assessment. That's the next step encouragement for you guys. Do a self-assessment. How do I lead? How does my team lead? And as an owner, it's a really interesting question to say, hey team, how do you see that I lead? And if you're more on the, on the vice side of things than you are on the virtue side of things, then here's the bottom line, yes, Good behavior. Yes, being a uh, Christ follower in trying to present yourself and follow through and live out your faith in Christ through your works and behavior. All of that is true. But here's where the rubber meets the road. If you're in a for-profit business, every single company that we look at and there are more vice-filled behaviors on the team, on the leadership team versus virtuous behavior on the uh, and decision making on the leadership team. Every single one of those companies is leaving money on the table. If you're a for-profit company and you've already brought all these people together, why not be as profitable as as successful and profitable as you can? Why not? That's the shift. That's the that's the people piece in this whole conversation. So if I know that a leader is worth retaining, that's because they're making virtuous decisions. They're following through, they're doing what they, they want the vision to succeed versus if they're vice, vice filled, they're only looking out for themselves.
So I want to, we, want, we want to make that dis, uh, distinction as we get into this idea of what leaders do I have and why are they actually worth uh, retaining? Okay, some of you may say, well, I've got a vice-filled person, right? And maybe not 100%, but they just are struggling in these different areas. Well, let's look for a second at what, what uh, the parable Jesus uh, leaves us in uh, chapter 13 of Luke. If you've ever read the, uh, uh, the fig tree parable, um, the owner of a vineyard comes in and he's sitting there uh, looking at a fig tree and he, said, he says, uh, no figs calls the uh, caretaker over and he says, hey, uh, I'm looking at this fig tree. Three years I've been coming out of this fig tree expecting fruit and not getting any. Tear it down, cut it down, get it out of the way. Why should it get to use that soil? So let me pause there for a second. That argument, that argument assumes that the tree cannot be rehabilitated. The tree cannot eventually become what it needs to be. And so if, if you are an owner and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I've got, a, I've got a leader that is causing a lot of problems. I've got a leader that I know is of many issues on my team and in my organization, but I haven't gotten rid of them for X, Y, or Z reasons, right? We can all justify that. Sometimes it's, well, I, 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 I'm just not sure how to do it. Or if I did that, it would be a huge disruption to my operations, or it would be uh, a threat to take away three or four of my key clients, whatever the, the whatever the reason and justification. Here's where here's where I think the wisdom of the, the caretaker comes in. And he says, hey, let's dig around the tree. Let's fertilize it. And in a few year, no improvement. Now. So that's a parable, right? We can't take it word for word. But what we can look at is say there are some leaders who have a heart for the vision. They love the vision. They need accountability. So if there is no accountability, then we have a problem. That's a person who's holding the holding that individual accountable and their response to that accountability. And they are open to coaching and teaching. They're open to coaching and teaching. If that's the case, that person, that leader can be rehabilitated. That leader can be brought along. There needs to be a plan. There needs to be a program. There needs to be a timeline and a set of expectations and that person held accountable to that. But that's a judgment call that you have to make. Now, uh, I've got an individual that I'm working with and we went through this whole thought exercise and he said, listen, Russ, there's, there's no rehabilitation for this individual in our company in, in this particular role. I don't make that judgment call for people. I can give recommendations. I can give them what I think. I just ask what I hope are all the right questions to lead them to the right conclusion, to dig out what they really think as the owner and the person so uh, 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 responsible before the Lord for curating a great team. And their reason was because so many other elements of that person's behavior in life don't match up with our values. They don't match up with our vision. They don't match up with what we expect out of someone. So sometimes you can't rehabilitate them, but often you can. So that's that patience. Instead of saying, I'm just going to cut that person out. They're doing a terrible job. I've asked them over and over and over again. They don't do it. They don't do it. Really understand, are you as the owner leading well in a virtuous way, then coming and, and that's kind of like the, uh, the, the uh, speck in someone else's eye and the log in your own. What do you need to do to make sure you're right? Then go and expecting that same thing out of your folks. So that's a little bit of encouragement not to just take somebody that may not be uh, may not be fulfilling their potential right now and assessing whether there's someone who you can work on and bring back around to be a contributing uh, team member. Okay, so we're going to shift a little bit to from uh, the leaders worth retaining, all right? to this idea of how to retain leaders. Some of you who are listening, if y'all have incentive and retention plans, reward and retain plans in place, awesome. Some of these questions you've already wrestled with, some of these things you're already looking at, 
uh, in part two and part three, when we when I present at the conference, I'm going to talk through, is your plan that exists actually doing a really good job? Is it doing what it should, uh, it, what it should do? Is it clear? Is it, uh, is it something that uh, all the leaders appreciate? Do they value it? Do they know how it links? So we're going to talk through some of these things and how to retain leaders in the next couple of slides. So do a self-assessment on the plans that you have in place. If you're, if you don't have a plan in place, then, uh, this is a great way to begin thinking through that. So what we want to be able to do is it, we're going to talk through all four of these points here on the four individual slides next. So how to retain leaders. Number one, give them an opportunity to help build a vision. Number two, provide leadership and teamwork training. Number three, provide a clear line of sight to the progress of the company. Number four, provide an opportunity to participate in the success they are helping create. I mentioned that phrase before. I want you to hold on to that one. Continue to hold on to that one. So number one, give them an opportunity to build a vision. So anytime uh, a maturing young adult, I've got a young adult in my, or young, uh, uh, almost a teenager. There are moments where I can say, hey, here's the plan. Or I can invite that person into helping me build the plan, whether it's chores on a Saturday morning or it's a vacation we're going to take or something we're trying to schedule. That individual, this, this is my son, he is a visionary. He likes to make plans. He likes to put things together. So if you've got a leader that is open to weighing in and wants to be a part of that, then the vision that the Lord gives you, that, that's, the, that's the key piece to pay attention to. But you want to invite them in to the finishing of that vision. So if you do 80% of the Lord sent you, hey, you're going to get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to give you this, this idea of where this company could go or a big strategic push or whatever that is. And you invite your team into fleshing that out. It gives them the opportunity to own that vision in a way that if you just come in and say, hey, A to Z, this is what we're going to do. And you need to like it and you need to love it. And you better celebrate it uh, up and down the hallway at the office. You don't get as much buy-in. You want them to be able to participate uh, in that in building that vision. So if you don't have a vision, you need to get one. Uh, if you did not let them participate in that vision, it's probably not as potent as it is and well-rounded as it could be. Um, and then do you have everything set up to where everybody sees the numbers? This is one of the piece. This is one of the pieces where people say, hey, I like what you're saying, but you said I have to share information. I don't really want to do that. If you're asking for them to help you build a vision. And then you turn around and say, I don't really want to share the numbers around that vision, key pieces of data around that vision. That's, that's not, that's not going to cut it with most, most leaders. We're talking about people who, if they had the capital, if they had the energy, if they had the, uh, that extra oomph that is a business owner, they'd go be business owners themselves and compete against you. They, they are capable of helping you build a vision, harness that energy, allow them to do that and show them the numbers, teach them how to read the numbers, give them the ability to say, well, if we're here now, we want to be here in, in, in three to five years, that's a set of numbers that they need to be aware of and be able to look at on a regular basis. All right. Number two, provide leadership and teamwork training. One of the greatest gifts you can give to people is the ability to grow their own leadership, to grow themselves. Give them that opportunity, Get the, help them uh, formulate a plan, invest in them so that they're becoming them uh, the best version of themselves, everything that God created them to be. When they do that, and we're training them how to be leaders on a team, then what you have is a collaboration effect on profit. Right. We call it the CEOP, the collaboration effect on profit. So if I've got X amount of profit right now, right, say I'm doing ten million dollars in my business with 10 percent profit. And then I turn around and say, hey, team, I think we can do uh, 11 and a half and 13 percent profit. Then what you try to do is say, hey, that that three percent profit on the additional million and a half. That's a big deal. That turns into a pretty big number. 
as a shareholder, you have to decide what to do with that number. You're going to reinvest it. You're going to take it out and invest it personally. Or are you going to put it over here in, in, uh, in, in some improved lifestyle uh, option for you? What we recommend is that all of that happens, right? You need to be able to take it and fund the growth of your company, be able to fund a, a, some shareholder win for yourself. But you also want to say, if y'all collaborate at a high level and we achieve this stretch goal, this above and beyond goal, then you get to participate in it at a high level as if they were an owner, not necessarily carving them in on equity. And we could talk about whether it's equity or uh, uh, synthetic equity or uh, any other types of plans. We'll talk a lot about that later, uh, maybe even in the Q&A section, but we want to make sure they have the opportunity to grow themselves. Then you have to give them uh, access to the progress. If you wait 12 months after you set a goal and say, I didn't give you any update on that information, they're not going to have a clear line of sight. They're going to say, we didn't even know how we were off, right? We, we didn't, we never got a check on our progress. We have to make sure that that's open. You have to make sure that they understand how they're doing. We recommend monthly. Some people do it every 90 days, no longer than 90 days, because you want to make sure you have the opportunity to course correct and make the necessary decisions to hit that vision and to hit that benchmark. And the last piece here is opportunity to participate in the success. So if you're putting a, re a reward and retention plan in place, incentive and retention plan in place, that's where they're able to participate in that higher profit, participate in the growth of the value of the entity. There's a bunch of different ways to do that. There's a bunch of different ideas about how to build those custom plans. But the idea of you becoming as the owner, the idea of you getting into that mindset where there is an opportunity for them to participate, that's really where we come to uh, this uh, idea of the philosophy of abundance. Okay, so the three wins, the three win podcast, we can talk about that, introduce that. What are the three wins? And this is what we want every owner to think through so that they get clarity around the numbers themselves. So if you are the shareholder, you need a win, right? You want to be able to talk through and be able to achieve financial independence. You want to make sure that there's a clear ownership transition plan for your company. You want to make sure that your estate planning, your family legacy planning, your asset management, wealth management is goals are achieved not at the cost of the company. The company is a goose that lays a golden egg. The company is the engine that creates value for everybody. You want to maintain the company, but what's the definition of company health? We want to make sure that we understand goal setting financially. We want to make sure there's a review process. We want to make sure everybody uh, that is somebody in the company that is influential, they're retained. We want to make sure we're healthy as a company to keep that engine running. And we have to uh, use the other piece here that we're talking about and focusing on is a key leader win. That idea of key leaders, are they going to be financially independent? Are they able to participate? Are they being developed as they should be? Are they participating in the profit? So we typically see profitability shareholder, that relationship, but profitability and your key people at a higher level than most companies around the world today. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of small businesses, medium-sized businesses that don't even pay attention to this and do this. We want to make sure all three wins are balanced, calculated and balanced and work in tandem to make sure that all stakeholders, all stakeholders, clients, uh, uh, non-leader uh, employees, uh, your vendors, all of the families of those people, we want to make sure all of that is healthy and ready to go. So a couple of ideas around the philosophy of abundance and the pain of scarcity. I'm sure you've read all of these, but the Lord owns my business because he owns the, thaddle, uh, the cattle on a thousand hills. That's something that David teaches us in Psalm 50 verse 10. The Lord owns everything. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of uh, thereof the earth and those who dwell therein. Everything belongs to the Lord's. We cannot ever divorce our leadership and stewardship of our company and our assets from the person who created those things and put them in our lives to begin with. The second idea around philosophy of abundance is my business can bless all stakeholders. Every stakeholder, my business can bless 
all stakeholders. And so when I talk through this idea of stakeholders, people are like, we got shareholders, we got these people, we got these people. Everybody that has a relationship to your business being successful, that's a stakeholder. And you want to factor them in. Philippians 2.4 talks about not merely taking care of your own needs, but taking care of the needs of others. And so if we get the three wins out of balance, we're going to have a problem. So we have a uh, client who um, we do some work for, which is called this client, Bob. Bob has never acknowledged that he is not responsible or that other people are also responsible for the success of his business. He has, he's paid well. He's done some nice things. I don't want to get away from that. But Bob looks at himself as Santa Claus. So the team, the people who uh, are, are responsible for many of the important steps, they don't have all of these other points that we've talked about today. They get a bonus. They get a raise They at Bob's, at Bob's personal discretion. So what we talk about is his decision-making is himself first. And we worked for Bob for a while and Bob's never moved off of this. He's done a lot. He does a lot of other things really, really well, but this particular piece he does, he has not moved off of. We encourage owners to say, listen, when I factor in what's good for me, I'm factoring in what's good for everybody else. Philippians 2, 4. All right, Mark 8, 36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? If you are rich, if you have things and things and things and things, it doesn't make you any more uh, satisfied. It doesn't give you any more advantage. That's that Greek word there. Profit is, is affiliate and it's advantage. It's just more stuff. Keeping your soul intact means that you are doing what the Lord asks you to do. Now, if you end up a billionaire, great. Great. That's not that's that's up to the Lord, right? If you do well with what he's giving you, he's going to give you more. So we want to make sure that we have 830, uh, Mark 836 on our minds. The last one is my leaders know the joy of abundance and the pain of scarcity. If you set this retention incentive and retention plan, your rewarding philosophy up correctly. That means that they're taken care of. But if the company doesn't do well for reasons outside of y'all's control, they know the pain of scarcity, just like a shareholder does, just like an owner does. But when there's abundance, they also get to enjoy that piece as well. So as we approach in the next two sessions at the conference, what types of plans are available to me to allow them to participate and enjoy uh, this idea of abundance and to grow as the best people that they can be in front of the Lord, the Lord who's the Lord uh, created them to be. Then we also want to balance it with, if there's not enough there, if we've got to protect the company, then they may not be participating that year because there's nothing to participate in. So we want to balance those two things. And the idea here is the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent in Matthew 25. If I know that I'm working hard and there is an increase, but that person who went and took the five talents, that person came back with, with one talent, just like the guy that got one talent. We are rewarding people for trying hard. There's risk. And sometimes there is no return or it's a delayed return. We want to make sure that those folks, everybody that you invite into this higher level of leadership and higher owner mind in this level, they're able to balance those two things. That protects the company from overpromising and having to take something away from somebody that doesn't, um, that you don't want to have to take something away. All right, so as we wrap up here, I know there's a Q&A session starting in a few minutes. Uh, I want to make sure that we have this I, a couple of key questions for you uh, to answer. Number one, do I care about my key leaders' personal success? Do I care about their personal success? If it's a yes, then you want to be able to uh, research and put one of these uh, plans in place and to bring the philosophy of abundance into your company. Number two, do I have, uh, have identified who my key leaders are? It's surprising um, how many folks we come across and we say, hey, who are your key leaders? And they rattle off three or four names. And when they go to those folks and identify uh, them, 
that's the first time those folks have ever heard that they're a key leader, right? There's no team. There's no consistent meeting discussion. There's no role clarification. There's no leader development opportunity for them. And we talk about it in uh, incentive and retention plan, and they have no idea what why they're even on the list, right? They know that they're smart. They know they're important, but they don't know that they're a part of a team, a leader on a team. All right. So have I, am I developing them to collaborate at a high level? If you're not collaborating at the highest level possible with your team in your context and in your culture, then you are leaving money on the table every single year. Go and achieve, go and achieve the most of the collaboration effect on profit that you can. And the final piece here is I'm allowing them to participate in the success they're helping create. If not, you should be. If not, you should be. Allow them to participate. Allow them to enjoy the years of success. Allow them to enjoy the years of abundance. Allow them to also feel the pain of scarcity. That brings you guys together and allows you to focus on the opportunity that God has for you through this business. Ken, that's where I'm wrapping up. Hopefully I stayed uh, stayed on cue. I know I put a lot of words on the table and I know you've recorded it as well in case other people want to go and look at it. Absolutely. Thanks for giving me a chance to speak. Oh my goodness. I, I am I am so uh, excited and anticipate all that will come at the conference as well. So yeah, thank you uh, for delivering this content. We've had Thank folks, you. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've had folks here. Let's see. I just wanted to take a look here and recognize we've got folks from from Canada, um, Bonnie Mock. Hello, Bonnie from Scottsdale, Arizona. Great to have you on with us. Um, Sue Cope from Oregon. Great to have you here on the webinar. Thanks for joining us here today. And uh, folks from uh, California, we even recognize them. Jim, great to have you here. And uh, from India, John, so great to have you be a part of the, the webinar here today. Thanks for, for jumping in with us. So great to have you as well. Just to, just to name a few. But I was I was taking a few notes here as I was uh, listening, Russ. And there, like you said, there's there's just so much and it's just incredible content. I really appreciate uh, how you delivered it today. And one of the things that that I've, I've come across um, business, ministry, um, other contexts, as you were talking about, you know, really knowing who those leaders are that uh, are the ones that you want to retain, but then also the ones that you need to not retain. And I know you work with companies in that process then of, of helping a leader, uh, company owner, make those decisions around how do you shift someone out? And maybe, you know, there's there's tremendous political collateral uh, capital with that person. Maybe mm-hmm. there's tremendous mm-hmm. uh, IP with that that individual. But even, yeah. you know, as they're making those kinds of um, process decisions, and I know this is a huge conversation mm-hmm. topic, but just even some pointers to, to start down that process of, of how do we begin to maybe make a transition that we know we need to make after we've gone through what you've described, you know, we've, we've been careful and we've been thorough in determining whether or not this person is someone that we're going to retain and, and really has uh, the values uh, in hand that, that we need. So maybe just to speak to that a little bit, that process. Yeah. Yeah. A good example I'm working through right now with a, with a client. Um, and sometimes we, we enter into a situation and we're asking these questions and they have not identified that that person isn't doing a great job or they're not doing the best job that they can. Um, sometimes we're brought in because there's a toxic situation. Someone, someone who's just blatantly going against, uh, whatever's going on. And so it depends on where we are in this situation. So, once we've identified, let me start there. Once we've identified, there's a situation that is holding your organization back. There's an individual or two individuals that are holding your uh, organization back. We want to be able to identify the, uh, the, the, the truth in the matter. Whether that person is not behaving well, not leading well, they're still a human being. They're still creating the image of God. And whatever uh, whatever them to the point where they're not leading well and doing a, the job that they should be doing, they're still a human being. And you, as a steward, are still responsible for their next steps. You want to position them to respond well. If you're rehabilitating, mm-hmm. you want to position with a plan, identify it, hold them accountable, but give them a plan to go forward. If, if it's not possible for them to be rehabilitated, then you want to treat them in a dignified way, respectfully, in a dignified way, 
and move them out of that situation. You don't want to bury your hand and saying like an ostrich and say, well, it's just going to get better on its own. You want to be able to move them in another direction. And, and sometimes it's not just leaders. Sometimes it's owners removing other owners. So it just depends on what the, what that dynamic is. What you have to be able to do is start with dignity. They're a human being creating the image of God, but you also have to be able to say, this is not the best thing for the company. And the company is what's brought us together. The company is what's brought us together. The hardest part is when it's family. You still have to see them at Thanksgiving. You've got to go through this whole piece. More so than if they're co-owners, more so than if they're uh, a friend of a friend or they you've known them, right? You started, you, you got in the business together, right? They were your third hire. Their family's a hard part. But at the end of the day, you're called to take care of your family. And sometimes that's not easy. You're taught, called to take care of this business. Sometimes that's not easy, but it's not an accident that the Lord has brought you together in those areas. So it's following him and obeying him in those steps. Yeah. And I love that, that strong emphasis on, on the rehabilitation. And, you know, even as you talked about the great eight and, and we have deployed that in, in a number of groups that we've just seen just tremendous response as people really begin to understand how do we, how do we deploy these beatitudes? What difference does it make? When, when these virtues are lived out and that becomes a, a, a key point of who we are as an organization, what defines our culture as an organization, how can people really rally around that yeah. and, and gives them those anchor points to hang on to and say, oh, now I understand. This is what defines us. This is who we are. Yeah. And I just, yeah. just tremendous value there. We had a question come in. I'm just going to read it off to you from Steve Campbell, one of our teammates here at FCCI. For someone who's not engaged employees, employees in that vision crafting process that you described, how's the maybe the best approach for getting meaningful engagement in that process? Is it an offsite meeting to do that, or or just a series of in office meetings? How do you, maybe the best approach to that vision? Yeah. So if you've to... never done that, if you've never done that before, great question, Steve. Thank you. If you've never done that one before, that before, you don't want to just show up at a meeting and say, "Hey, what's your vision? Contribute." Because you haven't trained them in how to do that. You have to say, hey, this is what I'm this this is what we're gonna sit down. You have to have a meeting first to say, hey, you know what? Uh, we've got a lot of things we could go and do. And I don't want to be the one that just dumps it on the table and says, hey, follow me, right? I want your input. Some of them have never given input before. They're strong leaders in their own role, they're experts. But if you're asking them to come together around vision casting, that's a different exercise for so many potentially strong leaders. Uh, what we want to be able to do is say, hey, this is what we want to go and do. Then you go and do it and you screw it up. Number one, first meeting is going to be a screw up. So it's going to be like half the people are going to sit in there like, well, I thought I brought some ideas to the table, but golly, I'm I, this. I don't really even know what to say. You know, I just do my job over here and I do it really well. And I love the company. I love you as the owner. But you're, it's going to be it's not going to be great. And then you're going to distill that. You're going to come back and say, well, let's think about this a little bit more. What if we achieve this? Mm. What would be there for everybody? What, what, what would that outcome? And sometimes you have to put that carrot out there, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to say, if we go in this direction, there's the carrot. Now, we're all going to hold each other accountable, which is the stick. How we, what it, if we went and did this? What would, and then you start to have some people who say, hmm, I might be able to have some ideas that could uh, contribute to a vision, a big vision. Hmm. And then you have to be able to say, all right, as the owner, this is also as the owner, if you are not gifted in articulating a vision and guiding your team through that exercise, not saying you're not a good leader, not saying you're not a visionary, but if you, if that's not something that you do all day, every day, go hire somebody that does it. FCCI has awesome contacts with people who do that for a living and often go hire somebody to do that for you. Yeah. Make the investment in your team, hire a third party that will guide you through that process. Hmm. Well, I know we're, we're at the top of the hour, Russ, but uh, boy, we could just go on and on <laughs> digging in, digging in. I could. I know I talk a lot. Everybody tells me that. I appreciate oh, it. I, I love appreciate it. the chance I love to it. talk. It's been, it's been so good. Yeah, absolutely. And and we definitely look forward to uh, the continuation at the conference uh, this year in September. So, 
with that, Russ, we'll, uh, we'll sign off. But brother, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you all. Goodbye, for everybody. With us. Take care. Bye-bye.